This is Where I'm At, a podcast on health, wellness, and yoga. I'm Lauren D'Angelo. I'm a yoga teacher, writer, and a marketer, and I will be doing the interviewing of my teachers on this podcast. The important people in my life who have taught me and helped me and shaped my life into what it is today. If you listen to this podcast, you can expect to hear talks on health, wellness, yoga, and lifestyle. This is a fun, lighthearted podcast where my hope is you learn something new that you can take away and implement in your life. Plus, you get the added bonus of getting to know local yoga teachers and those in the health and wellness field in the Boston area and beyond. I have Heather Bean, MS of Spiritual Nutrition. She's a health coach here with me today. She has a master's degree in counseling from SUNY Buffalo, and she is an integrated nutrition health coach. Um, Heather's Healing Kitchen focuses on supporting people and developing a healthy relationship with food. A big part of her work is uh, with her clients is emotional. Our emotions and food choices are very intertwined. She supports her clients in shifting their thinking about food from good to bad versus fat or fat thin to listening to their bodies and learning to eat mindfully and intuitively. Heather believes eating healthy can improve all aspects of life and is integral in finding health, peace, and purpose. Heather, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So what is spiritual nutrition? Well, as my practice has grown organically, um, that's the way I'm defining myself these days. And I, um, I like that term because I have found now in my fourth year of practice that it's not about the food. It really comes down to how do we choose to nourish ourselves? Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's about how we nourish our minds, our bodies, our spirits, our energy, and our emotional health. So when you come at it from all of those angles, I really believe you can heal yourself. That's amazing. So we, um, you and I were introduced via one of our mutual friends, Rachel, who um, also was part of this season's podcast. And so um, I'm really excited to, to hear your story. And I think one of the really cool parts about this podcast specifically is that um, as the audience listens um, I'll be learning about your story at the same time <laughs> as they're learning about your story. So oh, I like um, that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of our, our first and foremost for me. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear about what it is that you're doing. And, and, um, I've heard just like totally amazing things. So I know you wanted to start by telling us your story and how you kind of have arrived at where you are today. First, I want to give quick little props to Rachel. We've been friends since I'm 22, so 30 years. BFFs and, and for 30 years. Let's get, a little, of, let's get a little oh, yeah, pop yeah, in New York yeah. too, right? Are you New York in the right? house, yeah. Yes, totally. No Yankees though, go Mets. <laughs> I'm a Red Sox fan, but okay. but oh, I yes. love that we're all we're all from New York. So that that's another that's another big connection that Rachel and I and and you have as well. So all right. So um I After finishing graduate school, I had a significant health crisis, which for a lot of people does turn into an aha moment if Mm -hmm. you get through it. And I won't get too into that, but I had a a carbon monoxide leak in my house and I got uh, significantly ill. I had um, debilitating nerve pain, uh, numbness in my hands and feet. I was chronically sick all the time. I felt like when I walked out the door, 
um, someone coughed on me and I'd have bronchitis. So it was a really, really long, hard road back. So I really, um, after I started to heal, I found that going back to a high stress um, mental health job, before that I was working in the prison system. So there really was no going back to that after I had had all, I have worked on all this healing. And uh, at the time I had been a vegetarian and I thought that I took good care of myself. Um, but then I realized uh, eating in a very restrictive fashion, running marathons and exercising in order to deflect and avoid emotions and trauma, this actually is not a healthy path. <laughs> so <laughs> from that, trauma and, and suffering of that health issue, I just learned so much more about taking good care of yourself. So I learned that in order to heal, we have to work on our minds, our bodies, our spirits, our energy bodies, and our emotions. Interesting, interestingly enough, uh, feelings are for feeling. Who, who knew? <laughs> so you don't want to run these out of you you want to actually let them wash over you and, and experience them. stress is just the biggest contributor to our health issues as unhealthy choices and allowing motions to get stuck in our body uh, so we really 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 have to figure out a way to not function in that high anxiety stressed out type a personality type way it's really the body can't heal unless you find a way to bring it to the parasympathetic nervous system regularly yeah it, it really can't heal any other way so um really stripped down and raw and and sick uh that's how i found my way to health of really addressing all of those issues uh past present and taking all of that knowledge with me and then when I got to the place where it was time to go back to work, I, I didn't want to go back. I want to go forward and do something with my passion for healthy eating in combination with my education and my professional experience. And then Heather's Healing Kitchen just grew organically out of that. So that that was kind of cool. I, I think so. There's two things I want to ask about. So one is, can you talk a little bit more about this idea of, um, you know, for you, it sounds like it was marathon running, right? But I think even it, other people that I know, it could be, it could be lifting weights, it could be spinning, it could be any other kind of like physical activity. I think weightlifting and spinning and running are probably the three that pop into the top of my mind where would you say that there's a difference between like, oh, I had a bad day, I'm gonna go run it out versus it's all bad and I have to run every day because that's the only way I can? Yes. yes. Okay, okay. Yes, that's okay. what I'm talking about. So for me, um, I was more of an adrenaline junkie and I was using the exercise to um, push away um, traumatic emotions and experiences that really needed to, to be dealt with. You know, mm -hmm. you can't mountain bike your way out of difficult emotions. They, they need to be felt and, and, and experienced and work through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I think that that's like an important, right? Like, so some days when I just, you know, have a block kind of day, it's, you know, I joke around and I'm like, I need to go for a little run to like, just work through the crankies versus, you know, really that being the only way that I can work through 
any sort of emotion, right? Like, and I think a lot of, a lot of runners that I know, it's kind of like they, they're able, it's almost like meditative, right? Like when I go for a run, like I can, for whatever reason, sort through my thoughts just a little bit better than if I don't, it's kind of like I'm burning off that excess energy. So that way things can kind of like, like come down. And I, I still, I love exercise, uh, still, and I still like to run. Um, but I feel like I've shifted that I'm running to something versus away from something. Okay. I love that. That's exact. That's like, that's how I tweak it in in my mind. And there's, there's also the importance of if you are someone that, I mean, we need to be still too. Yes. To to listen to our bodies and our minds. So we can't always run it out. Sometimes we need to be still and really listen too. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's where the second question comes in for me. So I, I, one of the things that I am constantly trying to preach about, like really as vocal as I can be is, you know, I think yoga, which you and I are both passionate and you know, really believe in yoga is oftentimes viewed as this kind of, you know, new age, um, I don't know, just woo woo type of thing that a certain type of person does versus actually understanding that both yoga and mindfulness, right? That the meditative component to it actually can, when done correctly, um, shift your central nervous system from that fight, flight, or freeze to, right, to the rest, digest. Um, And and I think that that's that's one of the key components when you talk about constantly being on in this state of alert, I guess, if you will, right, like high energy, like wearing your body down to the point where you're just pushing through and consistently going. you know, that's where your, your body's super stressed, all, all the systems, right? All the systems, your central nervous system, even your cardiovascular system, um, your respiratory system, your short, your breath is probably short and stagnant, right? Um, that, that shift into rest and digest is where you really are kind of finding stillness, if you will. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And yoga is medicine. I mean, I, I did a yin class, um, at my friend's, uh, virtually my friend's studio where I practice out of salt of the earth yoga, um, it, it reduces inflammation. I mean, a good yin class will stretch out your hips, help with digestion and reduce inflammation. So it, yoga's food and yoga are medicine. They're my medicine. That. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, cool. So, so yeah. Talk to us a little bit more about after you, you kind of made this change into Heather's healing kitchen, where, where that has brought you in, in working with others. Well, I, um, like I had said about my experience, there was, there was so much, uh, emotion involved in the process. So I have that as part of my practice where I provide my clients emotional support not just helping them change the dietary theory that they follow. We work on their emotional health and then foods that will heal their body. And I find that most of the clients I have come to me for weight loss, and that's never the issue, really. (laughs) And we always get to the emotional piece pretty quickly. And then I see a lot of clients who are struggling with health issues, usually marked by inflammation. And so we talk about Uh, what kind of dietary shifts they can make in order to help heal their body, which is why we picked that topic of uh, immune system um, because that's, well, especially right now in the middle of this, or hopefully towards the end of this Mm -hmm. pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, 
I want to educate people about their body and taking charge of their health and empowering them to make choices that helps them understand their body can heal itself if they put the right stuff in it. Mm. What might inflammation look like in somebody's body? What might it feel like or look like? Well, if you think about what's, um, I'm going to step back a minute and just kind of explain what happens if you don't mind, because I I, don't really think people understand what's happening in their body. I love it. Okay. So um, our immune system's basically a complex network of cells, tissues, and organs that help the body fight infection and disease. But inflammation, I like this, I like to speak in analogies. I think I got that from my mother. Um, If you think about the immune system as your security system and inflammation as the alarm, when you have inflammation, the alarm is going off, letting you know, hey, your immune system's overtaxed. Uh, And then that, that starts the process. Now, acute inflammation is is a healthy response. You know, when we have an infection or an injury, the white blood cells flow to that that area to fight infection, the red blood cells flow, um, there's fluid involved with that. And then you get that redness and swelling and uh, vibrating nerve pain. That's all associated with the immune response. That's acute inflammation. And that's supposed to happen. We want that to happen. Then the body heals itself. It's temporary and then it stops. But the problem with all of the, a lot of the diseases that are very common nowadays is that it's chronic inflammation. So something is setting off that alarm, but it's not an infection or an injury, typically. Something else is setting it off. And in our environment, that's toxins in the environment, in our type A, go, go, go way of functioning, it's stress it's toxins in our food. And it it can be a chronic viral infection that like our body can't get a grip on, but there's all these other factors that cut hormonal imbalance. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things setting off that alarm that are not the infection or the injury. So that process keeps going and going and going and there's no disease or infection to fight. And so then the immune response, the cells start attacking our own bodies. And that's what we call autoimmune. And I think um, to add to that too, because when I was um, I was doing a lot of research and studying and taking classes about this because I had so many clients coming to me with autoimmune disease and it's actually more prevalent than cancer and heart disease combined. And when you hear of these autoimmune diseases, we kind of think they're separate diseases, but they're all the autoimmune response. You know, MS is the autoimmune response with chronic inflammation in the, in the nervous system. Our rheumatoid arthritis is in the joints. Lupus is in the tissues. So it really, all of these diseases, um, um, I just had a client that had psoriasis. Psoriasis is an autoimmune disorder expressed through the skin, our biggest organ. So all of these common diseases that we, so many people have, or we at least know someone that has them, they're all, in our, they're all immune responses. And we all need to take better care of our immune systems. So I didn't know, I guess the way that I've always thought of an autoimmune system is that, or an autoimmune disease is that you were essentially born with it and it's something that was with you for your life and it would flare up 
and go away based on, I don't know, I guess I never really associated with, you know, how you ate or any of that. I mean, obviously the way that you take care of yourself is going to, you know, affect it. But um, I never realized that you can actually create the autoimmune disease within your body at any age. Yeah, yeah we really view um, things as, you know, when we say it's a, a genetic, but I mean, yeah. if it's genetic by definition really means it's in a gene. So, I mean, if it's not in a chromosome that you can't shift, you know, our environmental choices can shift it. That's, I honestly never, never really understood it to be that way. That's such a learning thing for me to understand that autoimmune, uh, basically anybody can get an autoimmune disease if yeah. they're stressed out enough. Yes. And uh, <laughs> autoimmune diseases are basically chronic inflammation to the point that the body that's been going on, that the body attacks its own cells. Wow. Okay. So what would you say out of the clients that you're seeing, how many of them come to you and all of a sudden it's kind of like, I, I have always like, I've been okay most of my life. And now all of a sudden here I am experiencing these new symptoms and things that I've never experienced before in my life. So if you mean, if a client came to me and that could even happen from uh, a dietary thing, I mean, um, you know, glute, gluten is the cause of people's celiac disease. And, yeah. and that, I mean, that's an intense, intense disease. That's also autoimmune celiac. You know, know yes, Um, I always, when clients come to me and we, I try not to focus on what foods to remove because people get pretty uh, annoyed at that quickly. And they come to you with this mindset of like, don't tell me to not eat pasta. (laughs) um, If you were to pull, if you were having chronic inflammation and you were to pull something out of the diet, gluten should be the first thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I love it. So now that we know kind of what can create this inflammation and what it leads to, what does it potentially feel like? Oh, well, I can speak from experience with that. And, um, which I think is, uh, why that's such a cool part of my practice because it's, um, and like I had said earlier, I mean, there's really nobody to give you emotional support and then you, you go to the doctor and they just do tests and they don't really have any kind of empathy for what you're experiencing. And it's, it's a, it's a really rough journey, Mm -hmm. but um, for me, because my issue was in my nervous system, I mean, it almost felt like, um, like, do you ever see that lyrical commercial for the medication? It feels like that, like vibrating heat uh, all over your nerves, painful. Wow. Now that's a, that's a severe case, but um, inflammation can look like and feel like all of those things that I was describing when we have an acute inflammation response, redness, swelling, heat, fatigue, pain. I mean, it's, if you think about when you're fighting something off, how you feel kind of run down and sick. I mean, you feel like that all the time when you have chronic inflammation, because that's the system in your body that's been set off. Wow. So it's rough. So yours specifically affected, did you say your essential nervous system? Um, well, because my, my, and mine was caused by a, an accident, you know, toxin accident. Um, it uh, caused some 
what they had said was permanent nerve damage, but I actually worked through the chiropractor and massage and yoga and food. I actually healed it and I didn't take medication because really the only option that I was offered was like pain medication for it. And I didn't really want to go down that route. Um, so you, I, I, I know we're, I'm using my hands and we're on audio, but I view like, you know, you look at the nerves and they, they, even if the nerves can't regenerate, they can grow around the dead ones. So if you pay attention to healing your body in that way, that's why I mentioned in the beginning too, that I realized like, oh, I'm so stressed out all the time. And that I could, I started to be able to feel the stress land in my nervous system. So I, I knew that that was a big part of what I needed to shift in order to heal. So what did you do? What were the first things that you did? Uh, we'll have to plug the chiropractor because that really oh, saved, saved me. Yeah. Oh, Anybody yeah. who knows that I like my chiropractor religiously every two weeks and I always get such a release. I feel like I can think better. I feel like I'm less fidgety. I feel like my digestive system is better. I just feel like I'm firing like on all cylinders after I go to the chiropractor. It's yes. remarkable. Because you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's remarkable the difference that I feel. Yes. And uh, I fortunately had a, a very close friend from high school and college that was a chiropractor. And, and initially to heal me, he adjusted me. He said, come in every day if I could. He adjusted me constantly so that we could get that nerve healing thing going. But now I go once a week still. Oh, wow. And how long ago did this happen, Heather? Uh, boy, it's going on 15 years. Oh, wow. And you still go years. to the chiropractor once a week. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Same as you. I mean, I feel I, I, whenever I leave the chiropractor, I'm like, I don't know how people live. I don't. I say that all the time. I love that you just all the time. I always say, how do people who don't go to the chiropractor feel in their body? They must feel because, you know, it's manipulation of the bones, essentially, right? Making sure that your bones are in in place, in order, so that all the things that are near, next to, attached to your bones are also in the right place. And so- well, mm -hmm. Even too, um, it, uh, for anyone that's listening that's not into the chiropractor, it also helps every system in your body because all of the nerves are attached to the spinal cord. And when you get adjusted, they're all firing on all cylinders. And so every system in your body works better. That's right. Oh this is the science that I love. This is the science that I just love to geek out on because it's so true, right? Your, I call it like the super highway, right? Your spine is essentially the super highway to everything else because it's absolutely all connected, right? And so, you know, you have the nerves that essentially go right up to the brain, um, you know, and, and that's going to affect how everything else operates. And so, um, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in the chiropractor. Yeah. And I had, so that was my first line of, uh, of healing. And thankfully I had, I'd already, um, been involved in alternative medicine. I had gone to school for shiatsu and, um, you know, I, I was kind of already in that, um, world. So I just, uh, I had to go at it really hard, but I had to really work on a stress management, uh, learning to feel my feelings, you know, healing from old experiences that were traumatic that I didn't allow, that were stuck, that were stuck in my nervous system and stuck in my body. I really had to like clear it all out and find a new way of functioning. 
How did you do that? How did you feel all your feelings? <laughs> I, don't know. Uh, I know so many people who just want to like, they, they're still running from their feelings, right? And so they keep themselves as busy as they can possibly keep themselves because they just do not want at all to face it. I just was, uh, it's funny, my, my, in the yoga class this morning, my friend made reference to that I say this. Um, it's, you'll notice when you, uh, if I'm in a session with a client or even, you know, friends or you, you when people cry, they tend to apologize, <laughs> right? Yes. And we were just talking about that. And I'll tell my clients all the time, I'm like, do not apologize for your body's natural emotional regulation system mm -hmm. for releasing. Uh-huh. It's like going to the bathroom. It's like sneezing. It's it's a natural process. Sweating. I mean, it's something our body, our bodies are so amazing. I mean, they even have this process to to allow emotions to flow through us. So but yeah, we don't want to cry. Like we're afraid to I cry. Know. Like don't ever apologize for crying again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I teach my client. Yeah, I, I mean, I view it as um, well. This is another topic that comes up that I've learned and that I share with my clients. It's it's a matter of self-trust. I think that you begin to trust that emotions are a part of the human experience and rather than fight or deflect or avoid them, allow them to wash over you and trust that at some point they'll move past you. Yeah. I think that people are afraid, oh my God, once I start crying, I'll never stop, but you will stop mm -hmm. you know and if you have to stop to take care of something else you will and then you can come back to that emotion if there's still more that needs to be released but we don't really um take care of ourselves in in that way i mean there's that's what i was saying earlier that i really view it as there's the mind there's the body there's the emotional body there's the energy body there's the spiritual body there's other layers to our being that if we uh focus on healing um, we can really get to uh, a pretty cool place. The energy too, that's a, that's something that was um, not part of my self-care routine initially. And now it very much is of, of really releasing the stuff from my energy body too. So you essentially allow yourself to feel the emotions, whatever that might feel, crying, right? What, if that's mm -hmm. frustration or sadness, um, even anger, right? Like we can cry, yeah. we're angry. Um and then from that, you can kind of process it and, con and continue to move on. So how long, like when you were going through all of this, just to give like the listeners a little bit of perspective, you know, how long would you say, did it take you to actually, when you allowed that space and time for yourself emotionally, how long did it take you to work through it? Uh, my instinctual reaction is to say, I still am. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> But, but, but would you say that like, there has been kind of a top of the mountain and kind of like now back down yes. the other side, right? Um, well, I guess like, you know, we, we view healing, healing isn't linear, you know, I mean, we kind of find a direction we want to go and then we have ups and downs and life experiences that set us back, but we, we have our toolbox filled with not just physical tools, but emotional tools that we know how to work through it. I feel like this is important. And the reason why I'm asking you these questions is because I feel like you've done such a good job talking about the physical body and, and how it is that we treat our physical body from like a, you know, a, a exercise, if you will, and work, you know, being able to work through things, but, you know, from this emotional perspective, um, 
we never talk about this, right? We never talk about the, the body's own natural ability to like work through the shit that happens, right? And especially the stuff that, you know, we've been going through as a country, you know, just that alone, right? You're going to have this roller coaster of a ride. And, you know, I think that the longer that you hold on to it, the worse that, not the worst, but the longer it's going to take you to kind of unravel it, right? So if you're able yes. to kind of process it when you know that it's happening as much as possible, you're not like holding on to this, um, like think about it as kind of like you're holding on to this thing inside of your body that like is just going to weigh you down. I had a teacher- It's like literally going to turn into a tumor. Yes, that's what I was going to say, but I didn't yeah. want to say a tumor, but I had it. I had yeah, it. But I mean, really, you have to, if you have, a, a, an acute um, health crisis where that's involved, um, you have to get into the emotional stuff too, because it's in there. It's stagnant. It's clogging things up and you can eat all the kale you want. If you don't address that, you're not going to heal. And my, I had a teacher who used to describe it as like carrying around your backpack, just full of like, not, not baggage that you need, but full of the stuff that is actually weighing you down. Like you're putting, like every morning you're waking up and you're putting on a weighted vest, right? Like yeah. versus actually allowing those weights in that vest to kind of remove themselves because you you don't need them. You know, the ones that you don't need. Um, you know, I really equate it to that every time I think about the stuff that's weighing me down. And, and, and the other thing too that I, I'm wondering about is, you know, cortisol is also a real thing, right? So you're talking yes. about like, yeah, you can eat all the kale that you want. You can eat as healthy as you want, but when your body is stressed out, it holds on to fat. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yes. I've, I, um, I've done talks and, and I talked to clients about that and, uh, I, I just turned 51. So I'm in the, uh, menopausal, uh, zone and, uh, you can tell how much the hormonal imbalance can affect that as well, because I eat healthy and exercise, but I felt like overnight, all of a sudden I had a beer belly, like as if I was drinking a case of Budweiser every night. So I obviously was like, oh, whoa, I need to figure out what's going on with my estrogen because where did this come from? Yeah. You realize that too, that, that, yeah, it's, um, I talk to my clients that come to me for weight loss. We talk a lot about stress management and hormonal balance and emotional health because they all they all hold weight onto the body too emotional weight too so what would be your what would be your and i want to get into um eating for inflammation too but I, what would be your recommendations for somebody who is who knows like my stress levels are high there's only so much that I can do about that because of the life's circumstances or situations that I'm currently in, right? Whether it be, you know, a job that you're trying to get out of, a relationship that's breaking down, um, young children. I mean, there's so much, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would be your feedback to them with regards to some of the things that they can do to try and manage that stress? I work with a, a lot of clients on... Um a negative self-talk and, and really the, you know, well, you know, with yoga, 
where the energy goes, the mind goes. What's that theory, right? Where the energy flows, the mind goes, or the, where the mind goes, the energy flows. That's right. Where the mind goes, the energy flows. <laughs> yes. Um, so actually, I do this funny thing, because um, I like to add humor to things, um, of separate, separating out the voice in our heads. Uh, and that we have a positive voice and a negative voice. And then if we name them, um, then we can start creating awareness as to who is guiding us most of the time. Because really the thoughts in our mind are, are what are fueling the emotions and fueling the actions connected to the emotions. And so I do a lot of work uh, with managing the thoughts in your mind. That's so great. Yeah, so I have a friend uh, whose name starts with M. So, she, you know, her negative voice is mean and then her uh, positive voice is magnificent. And so then we'll, which is a great adjective, magnificent. So, you know, we'll, she'll challenge that like, oh, that's mean so-and-so talking. Let me get magnificent involved here. And you can kind of strengthen that positive voice until where she's the one in charge. Right. And obviously I recommend, you know, breathing techniques and meditation and yoga, all of those things are so good for slowing down the mind and, and being aware of the way we speak to ourselves, which sometimes is just terrible. Yeah. And we don't always recognize or um, know that it's happening until we're, we're able to pay attention to the fact that it's happening. Right. So we're not, yes. able, we don't know, we can go on day in and day out and never listen, just pay attention to that one voice. And it could be, you know, to your client, it could always be the mean, it can never, and never the magnificent because you don't even know what the magnificent sounds like, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, we usually start out with that with a mindfulness to just be like aware of the thoughts. And then we move into some coping mechanisms and tools to start shifting that. Um, Black and white thinking is another big thing that we work on, you know, and I do that myself where it's like, all right, I'm going to do yoga five times this week. And then I miss Monday and I'm like, oh, the whole week shot to hell. And you're like, clearly there, there are some other options here. So I, I'll show my clients on a continuum. I'm like, okay, so yoga every day, shot to hell. You know, I'm like, look at all the other options that your magnificent voice can tell you are available. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of, uh, a lot of emotional and, and psychological work to, uh, to shift things. That makes sense. And then when you move to, um, I know you want to talk a lot about, or I know you really do want to get into eating for immunity specifically. Right. And so, especially as we approach kind of these here in new England anyway, or on the East coast, we approach, um, the, the, colder months and, you know, with the pandemic happening and cold season, flu season, you know, how, how is it that one can eat for immunity and also potentially be aware of any inflammation that they might have in their body? Um, I have my list of all of the most healing winter foods. And then this is a good way to, to um, start shifting your thinking about food, because really most people seem to view food as it makes us fat or thin or it's good or bad. And it's none of these things. It's medicine for the body, it's nourishment, it's information for ourselves so that they know, and they know what to do with it. So it's, um, I really work at shifting people's thinking towards food because it really is, um, it's really a shame. I mean, food is, is such a, it's, well, it's something we need obviously, but we wanna nourish ourselves in a healthy way with it. 
Um, and um, when we're talking about the emotional piece, and then I'll get into the foods, um, I always view this with my clients too, that when you're, when you're eating for emotional reasons or stress reasons, it's, it's bad for you in two ways because you're not addressing your emotional need and you're making unhealthy food choices. So when you learn to separate that out of like, oh, I, I'm, emo I'm trying to deflect my emotions. That's why I'm choosing food. I'm not hungry. When you start to slow it down and separate that out, you, you can actually fulfill your emotional needs too. So it's, it's kind of like doubly beneficial that you can take care of yourself in that way. I think a lot of it is catching yourself in the moment, right? When you are, yeah. sometimes it's, you know, and then I think from there catching it before it even happens, right? But I, I mean, I've even, <laughs> I've even in the, la in the last few months um, caught myself where I'm kind of like, I'm eating and I'm like, am I even hungry? Am I, and I'm not bored, right? Cause I think sometimes it's like, oh, you're eating out of boredom versus am I even hungry or am I eating because I, maybe I watched a little bit too much news today, or I've just been a little bit too stressed out and, and my body is trying to, you know, kind of almost like get into that rest and digest state by wanting new nutrition, right? It's like, it almost, yeah. yeah thinking it's hungry. It's thinking it needs food in order to heal, but really all it needs is kind of like to come down off of the heightened state that, that I'm in. Totally. Yes. So the, the food plays, our food choices play into that of just really being mindful about all our needs mm -hmm. and what they are and when. And that. Would you, are, when people are tired, I've heard this and I don't know if it's true. When you're tired, do you tend to um, gravitate towards sugar? I would think so. Yeah. Um, I have my clients do that. We have a list of like um, eating guidelines and questions to ask yourself when you are working at um, reducing your stress eating or your emotional eating, where when you go to reach your food, you just simply ask, am I hungry? Mm. If the answer is no, then ask yourself a little further, a few more questions. What do I need? Am I tired? Well, maybe you can take a nap or actually just go to bed early. Maybe you don't need any food. Maybe you need some rest. These days, the answer often is, oh, no, I'm stressed. So then maybe we can take a walk or meditate or do, you know, open our toolbox full of our de-stressing tools. Mm -hmm. um, these days, too, am I lonely? Do I need to make, you know, set up a Zoom with a friend? I mean, we really, if we slow it down and find out what our real needs are, we can start fulfilling all of them, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. All right, so we'll get into some of the immune system. I could talk about the emotional stuff all day. Right? <laughs> yeah, let's get into the immune system because I do want to talk about eating. Okay. What are the foods? What are the foods that we All right, eat? well, number one, if you're going to add any fun winter, and I, I, I really like the theories of seasonal eating. Um, I don't agree with diets, but there are different kinds of dietary th theories that your body works best with. Um, and I, I really like seasonal eating because that really teaches you to eat intuitively and grounds you and connects you with nature. So, and I'm, you know, in New York, so the winter is chilly. And so it's time to add in some warming food. So uh, I see ginger as the spice of winter because it's good for digestion. And 70% of our immune cells are in our digestive system. So that is like how integral eating healthy is to immune system. I mean, they're, they're, they're housed in the same place in our body. 
So ginger is beneficial for both reasons, then it's good for digestion and it's good for our immune system. It's an antiviral, it's uh, an antibacterial. I mean, it really has some benefits that actually, you know, prevent and fight disease. I'll tell you uh, this, um, I do this thing uh, and I've had my friends do it. This is my number one healing thing with ginger. You can take a bath in ginger. Wow. Yeah, you, if you do uh, half a cup of fresh grated ginger root in a tub, uh, as hot as you can stand it for a max of 12 minutes, but you don't have to stay in there that long. And then uh, you'll start to sweat. You might get headachy. It like really detoxes the body. And then you get right in bed, you'll sweat it out and you'll be a million times better the next morning. It works every time for me. Wow. So then we have this joke, uh, my friend and I both, um, she also has a Long Island accent, um, but my partner has a pretty pronounced uh, Long Island accent. And so he'll, he'll say, what the hell's in the tub? <laughs> so he's always asking me, there's always something in the tub, uh, rose petals, coconut oil, ginger. So that's so great that is so awesome might, i think he uses the f word what the f is in the tub but <laughs> at, now we've been together 14 years so now he knows he just puts the you know the drain and lets it, the tub fill and that he'll get some benefits from standing in it <laughs> <laughs> he'll get some benefits from the ginger <laughs> yeah so um ginger it, it can be healing even like that you can actually take a bath in it and topically it pulls toxins out of the body that's how it, it's medicine uh, another one garlic that's uh, also uh, an antiviral uh, tip for garlic um, I, I will chop it up and have it in some local honey in my uh, fridge during the winter and, and eat it but that that can be a little intense um, and that does fight off vampires but it also fights off viral and bacteria infections. But if you just, when you're cooking with it, if you just uh, smash the clove and give it a few, maybe 10 minutes before you cook with it, some of its healing medicinal properties will come out of it mm -hmm. and it'll stay in it when you heat it. So just smash the clove and leave it on the cutting board before you chop it up and cook with it. And you'll get a little more um, medicinal value for it. Oh, wow. Okay. So it is the most healing raw if, you know, if you're really trying to, um, help your body uh, fight off some infection, but you can do that too when you're cooking with it. Okay. Um, mushrooms are also super, super healing. Um, mataki, reishi. Um, I'm trying to think what's the other third one that's so good. Oh, shiitake. So sh maitake, shiitake, and reishi have more healing benefits for the immune system than echinacea. They really get deep in there. Um, and you can... Um, I'm going to talk about bone broth too, but on my website, I have a recipe for a vegan broth that's made with um, mushrooms. So if you don't like the texture of them, which some people don't, they are a little earthy. Yeah, um, yeah. You can make a broth with it, or you can make a tea with it. So you can get the benefits from it without having to withstand its strange texture if you're not a mushroom person. Wow. I had no idea. I, I love that. I actually, I, I, maybe I'm a rare one, but I, I do like mushrooms. I, 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 I didn't even know that they had like a substantial nutritional value to them. Yeah. Big time. Um, you could even do, um, like a reishi mushroom extract for healing on a really deep cellular level. Um, and then maitakis, uh, I had maitake sauteed yesterday, almost have like a truffle taste. They're really delicious. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Are they hard to find in the grocery store? Can you find usually these mushrooms without a beef? Um, probably not in a main grocery store, in a health food store. Yeah. Yeah, like a Whole Foods or something whole, like that. Whole, yeah, Whole Foods always has them. My local smaller health food store always has them. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I mainstream, maybe not. You'd probably have to go to a health food store okay. or Whole Foods. Yeah. Uh, another, a little bit off the beaten path of food is I'm a big fan of seaweeds. Do you eat any kinds of seaweeds? Yes, I do. You do? Yeah. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I explained to people too, in, in trying to shift their understanding of food is that it really, um, nature makes sense. Like the healing properties of seaweed are like all of the healing properties of the ocean, like all of these minerals. So, so many of us are depleted in minerals. So you're like getting all of the healing properties of the ocean and bringing them inside of you, which is, mm-hmm. is so cool. And seaweed's one of the only ways to, you know, you can do that. How would you tell people to find seaweed? Like where, cause I think most people associate seaweed with like seaweed salad that you can get when you get sushi. Yes. Which I'm not sure what they're doing to it, but it does not taste like that when I make it myself. <laughs> I think they're putting um, oil in it or something. I think they're putting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not that it's not delicious, but yeah. that's, that's not the seaweed I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you would also have to go to a health food store, probably um, maybe more of an ethnic grocer might have seaweed, mm-hmm. um, but whole foods and, and local gro- uh, health food stores have it. Okay. Um, if you don't like the taste of it, because it it does, it is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just telling a client this yesterday. You can get a kind of seaweed called kombu, K-O-M-B-U, and they come in sticks. If you um, put a piece of the kombu stick in when you're making soup or stews or rice or quinoa, your grains, the uh, minerals and nutritional value is pulled out of the seaweed mm-hmm. and you'll get it in the food. So whenever I'm making quinoa or rice, I'll typically, rather than making it in water, I'll make it in um, maybe mushroom broth or bone broth with a piece of kombu in it. So then you're making the the food you would normally eat just packed with more nutrients. I love it. Does it change the taste? Does it alter the taste? No. And you can eat the kombu itself too, if you'd like, but um, it's a little wacky. (laughs) Okay. That's a great way to, that's like an easy way to you know, get more nutrition and without necessarily having to completely alter what it is. Totally. Yeah. Your, your taste buds, right. Your flavor palette. Yeah. I really try to do that with clients of, of have them, if they are already eating healthier, we're making a shift towards eating healthy, how to do that in simple ways and just get more out of what they're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, another awesome winter thing while well, all year long as well, uh, dark leafy greens. If you were to add one more thing into your diet, I would say eat more dark leafy greens. And if you were to pull one thing out, I would say either sugar or gluten. gluten. So we, okay. I, I, um, when I, we talk about nature, just making sense. If you think about that, the dark leafy greens and all the veggies get their color, the phytonutrients is what gives them that rainbow color that's the medicine of the sun. So the medicine of the sun is is in the dark leafy green. So you want to up your dark leafy greens in the winter when we can't get as much sun. And then and we get lots of vitamin D and vitamin C in them. I have always found it really easy. Um, each week I buy a huge, well, pretty big, a big uh, plastic kind of container of spinach. And it's so easy to throw spinach. I'll usually put it on my, you know, in my eggs in the morning. You know, it really can kind of steam down rather fast. If I have um, totally. broth for lunch, I'll throw a cup of or a handful of spinach in there and just mix it around. 
anytime I'm making like pasta sauce, I'll, I'll take a whole thing of spinach and I'll, I'll put in, I'll put it in the, in the tomato sauce that I make. So that way it's just like, I'm just like getting, getting it in. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't completely alter the recipe or, or the palate of what it is I'm eating. Totally. Yeah. Arugula is another good one like that. You could chuck arugula on anything and it's just adding a little pepper, yes. you know, flavor. Yeah. So yummy. And if you can get some greens in the first thing in the morning, then that's good too, because then if the day goes awry, at least you've had some greens in the morning. Right, exactly. And then I mentioned about uh, bone broth. I, I like to, to do um, bone broth in the winter. Um, I don't know if, I am a meat eater. So when I purchase meat, I'll usually buy chicken thighs so that I have the bones. Okay. And then I'll, um, so maybe after you know a month or two, I've got a bag of frozen bones, and then I'll make the bone broth in the crock pot. So when you when you you make your chicken thighs, your bone the bone kind of falls off eventually. Yes, I save I save all the bones um, in the house if you we save all the bones. <laughs> I even uh, <laughs> yeah. I even tra- I even travel you know from my mother's from Thanksgiving. I travel with the turkey carcass. Uh, at Christmas, she made ham, not this year, last year, pre-COVID Christmas. I traveled <laughs> with the, the ham boat. So um, yeah, I'll always take the bones. <laughs> you take the bone and then that's what you create your bone broth with. You yeah, so you, you get in the habit. Um, I'll teach some clients, this is like a really easy meal plan. I just did this with the turkey from Thanksgiving. After the we had the turkey, then I made turkey and rice soup. And then, so I made that on the stove top for two hours and then right from the um, soup pot right into the crock pot then with the same carcass I make the bone broth so it was a turkey then turkey rice soup then into the crock pot for 48 hours to make the bone broth so if you I know everyone's busy and it's hard it's hard to make time for that but if you you know could spend a weekend doing something like that you could roast a chicken do the same thing with the carcass but in three days you've made a bunch of stuff and you've made bone broth that's going to last so it's 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 worth the time and effort I think absolutely how long does your bone broth last for I'll put it in the freezer Mm -hmm. uh and usually I usually eat it that season I don't usually wait season to season but I mean it lasts months in the freezer yeah, that's so cool. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it makes so much sense. It sounds like you get such um, longevity out of what it is that you buy because you use it for a couple of things that you do, right? Like you use yeah. it for a few different recipes. Yeah, that's really the key um, to the meal planning because then you can, you'll know, you'll set aside the set aside the time to do that. Like this weekend, I'm roasting a chicken, and I know if I do that on, uh, I have off. From work Sundays, Mondays usually. So I'm going to roast the chicken on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, I'm going to make the soup and then I'm going to put the carcass and I can just put it in the crock pot and let it go for two days. Right. You let it go for two whole days. I, yeah. 48 hours. I like to do it. Wow. And so if anybody wants to find that recipe, you have that recipe on your website. I do. I have the, um, the mushroom broth. That's like a potassium broth. That's the vegetarian, um, alternative to bone broth Mm -hmm. and they're both on my website okay great that's so great wow this has been like so educational I love it I feel like I've learned so much oh good (laughs) it's funny I have all these notes but we talked about the emotional stuff which again I I prefer to talk about because I I don't like you said that's not that's a layer of our being that we are not nourishing I don't think we talk about it 
at, at all. I think, you know, from the time we're younger, you know, all the way up through adulthood, I almost feel like it gets worse as we get older, where it's like, you're not supposed to cry. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm a big crier. You're not supposed to be emotional. And if you're emotional, it's, you know, you, you can't handle your emotions. And, you know, I, I think that it's, um, I don't, you know, your emotional intelligence isn't, isn't where it needs to be or, you know, and I, I guess I just, I'm not a big believer in that, you know, even as a yoga teacher, my job is to hold space. And if I have students that show up and all they want to do is cry on their mat the entire time, then great. Yeah. I, I hope that they do. <laughs> like It's fine because it's we need the space. We need the places we to do that. And, and we need to give ourselves the, the space too. I, um, I'll just share this quick thing that I, a couple of weeks ago that the movie wonder was on. Have you ever yes. seen that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, I was just flicking and it was just starting and I was like, Oh, this is going to be emotional. I, and I asked myself, I'm like, do you, is this what you feel you need right now? And I was like, yeah, let's watch it. Um, and I have a disabled sister. Mm. So I cried for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> Did. And my uh, my partner came home and he's like, why are you watching this? Stop doing this to yourself. And I was like, this is releasing a ton of old emotions. I relate to all of these people and all of their experiences and his sister and his experience. And like, I, it was so cathartic. I yeah. was like, don't get in my way while I'm crying. Get in the I'll shower. The time. Wait in the shower. There's ginger in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you at bath time. Give me some yeah. drinks. <laughs> That's amazing. So we, we need that. That that was connected to so much inside of me that um, you know, there must have been left over if it flowed out for two and a half hours. But I I, I felt awesome afterwards. Yeah, you need, need that release. Yeah. You definitely need it. I love it. Okay, share with us who your teachers are and okay. your favorite quote. Uh, so many teachers these days, which is pretty cool. Um, but I chose um, Susan Blum, because she wrote the book that I've got a lot of the information uh, that I shared about the immune system. So if you do have an autoimmune problem, this book is awesome. It's the Immune System Recovery Plan. It's by Susan Blum. She is an MD turned functional medicine doctor, which I find, um, they, functional medicine, I hope that's where we're headed, mm -hmm. you know, where they consider the whole person. And I find the, med uh, the medical doctors turn functional medicine doctors because of their own health crisis are really masters at presenting this information. So she addresses um, all of the aspects of recovering from an autoimmune problem, using food as medicine, understanding stress, healing the gut, and managing your liver and the detox process of it. So um, and also what I like about it, she will, she includes a chapter of, um, how to talk to your doctor about it, what tests to ask for. So she's really like guiding you through, um, how to heal yourself with it. So it's, it's really, it's very written in laywoman's terms, um, that you could really follow the program and, and, and help yourself with it. That's wonderful. So, and I think you're going to really love my quote because, I didn't know we'd talk about emotions that much, but it's associated with that stuff. Um, one of my new favorite books is called Befriending Your Body, mm. and it's written by Anne Safi Biasetti. And she takes a self-compassionate approach to disordered eating. And she doesn't really even consider uh, it an eating disorder. It's, it's practically uh, a society of women with disordered eating. 
mm. you know, that we, uh, and how to shift that from a place of self-kindness and self-compassion. And so her quote that I chose is, we don't wish for suffering, but once we understand how to be in relationship with it, it becomes the means by which we become mature, loving, wise people. From my personal experience, because I found my purpose through a life experience that we would label as traumatic or suffering, um, it's similar to what we're talking about emotions, that we, when we're struggling, we need to turn towards ourselves with love and compassion that's how we cultivate intuition. That's how we see a clear path forward. Uh, we, we don't want to push these difficult emotions and experiences away. The answers are within them. Mm-hmm. It's and true. I said that. <laughs> no, I love that. It's so true. It's through. I mean, I, I think one of the quotes that is always, always stuck with me is, you know, the way out is through, you know, it's, yeah. it's turning around and running the other way. It's actually allowing yourself to go through that process of whatever it is that you need to get through. Because, you know, it's also, I talk a lot with um, some of my fellow yoga teachers that it's also how we build resiliency, right? We build it by going through these, these things that are obstacles for us, that are resistance. And when, we, when we're able to get through that resistance and we're able to come out on the other side, our capacity to actually handle it again is much greater, right? So if if we're constantly, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, a child, right? If you're constantly hovering over a child that's just learning how to walk and you don't let the child fall, well, their ability to get back up when you're not there and continue to walk is going to be less than if you just allow them to kind of get some bumps. Yeah, that's right? a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's a really, I, I, I'm a firm, firm believer in that. I'm a firm believer that if you can, you know, really look in the mirror and, and go through what it is that you have to go through and hold the space for yourself, that's where you're going to find what your like, what I call your dharma, like what your dharma and what your purpose is. If you're able to actually be like, okay, this is scary. I'm totally freaked out, but I'm going to look at this and I'm going to do it. I think you come out on the other side, understanding what your purpose is a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And then the work, um, your work, your life's work is just sharing what you do for yourself. So it's like, it's so cool. Feel It feels so good. It's so cool. It ends yeah. up being like, listen, I know. And then it's like a magnet people who, if you're able to kind of share people who are like, oh my goodness, this person totally I've gone through, I've gone through it. I can relate to what this person is saying and they totally get me. You find your people that way, right? Like you just find your people that way. They find you. So cool. I'm so glad we had a chance to connect. This has been like, this was so fun. Yeah. We'll have to have you back on, um, at the change of the season. Right. So we're talking about right eating for immunity now in the colder months and then once the the spring and summer come i would imagine that those kind of like foods that you talked about right the ginger and and the mushrooms and the seaweed changes to something else so we should yeah then we'll we'll shift to goji berries and bee pollen and more like spring detox spring allergy kind of thing so if you want to hang have me back in the spring i love it well thank you so much heather it was really good to meet you yes all right i'll if people want to find you, they can find you on your website, right? Yes, my uh, my practice is Heather's Healing Kitchen. My website is Heather Heals with Food. Okay, great. And then you're, are you on social media? You're on? I, I am on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Yes. Healing Kitchen. 
Heather's Healing Kitchen, both fit, yeah, Facebook and Instagram. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, happy Friday. Really good to chat with you. I'm sure okay. we'll talk again. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is produced by Jacob Rachinsky. You can check me out on Instagram and on Facebook at Lola Yoga and Wellness. Also, lolayoga.com. If you have time and if you enjoyed this podcast, please go on to Spotify or iTunes and rate this podcast. I hope you'll continue to listen. Thank you so much for being here.